Hello again, everybody. I am your host, Felipe Melicio, flying solo today at the Total Basis Podcast. Uh, we will be talking about a CBS Sports mock draft uh, they did back in early December. Uh, they are doing a head-to-head five-by-five, traditional five-by-five league. So that means that they're using five categories for hitting, five categories for pitching. And uh, for those who don't know what those categories might be for hitting, it's, you know, the big ones, runs, runs batted in, home runs, batting average, and stolen bases. So how little I do five-by-five leagues, but I still remember, uh, barely. Pitchers, they're utilizing wins, uh, saves era the whip which is walks plus hitting divided by innings pitched and strikeouts so five by five that's what they're doing so let me go ahead and share my screen uh i don't like the way cbs did this layout at all but it is what it is um as uh, on the left side right here if you guys could see the video uh or my screen i should say uh they're doing uh they're breaking it down by rounds on, on this side. So you see that Frank Stamp, Stample. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name, but some, some guy named Frank Stample went with Garrett Cole, which is really shocking, but not really, because seeing that pitchers are at a premium more than ever. I, there's a lot of pitchers. There's not a lot of elite pitchers, so I can see why that happened. Um, and on the right side, what they're doing is they're going, uh, they're breaking it down by team. So this is Frank Stample's team right here. He got Garrett Cole and Bryce Harper and back-to-back rounds, but we're more interested on the left side of things. Um, as, uh, this is the first round, all first round picks. Nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, like I said, the only bad, the only thing that blew my mind was Garrett Cole going number one overall, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, I just it's kind of weird to see a pitcher be at the top, but that just shows you how, uh, like I mentioned, the starting pitching is a premium. Then you see the usual suspects going back to back to back to back in Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto. Uh, nothing really out of the ordinary there. Uh, that's just standard. Um, at this point, uh, you could probably mismatch all of these guys together, all those four guys together. I think I've seen other mock drafts do the same, where they put Acuna as the number one guy at outfield, or Mookie Betts as the number one guy, or Mike Trout going down, falling to number five, which I think that's what happened in one of our dynasty drafts that uh, Sean and I uh, did uh, a while back ago where Mike Trout was the number five pick overall, which is strange. But, hey, you know what? New decade, new arrangement of sorts here for fantasy baseball. Uh, there's your Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber, Jacob DeGrom, which, yeah, he's falling to number seven, and he's not the number one pitcher uh, being taken. So, yeah, uh, even, like I said, new decade, new, new arrangements on things. So that's fine. There's a, a Fernando Tatis, which – uh, if Sean were here, he would tell you uh, he would be pulling his hair how much he hates that uh, pick there, but he's not here to tell us that, so oh well. Uh, I like Tatis, a uh, well, very exciting player. Does have a little, uh, you know, red marks, red flags on his game, but we all know what those are. We talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, uh, but that's a solid pick, especially if you're in a keeper league or in a dynasty league. Uh, yeah, he looks like he's going to be good for a long time to come. Jose Ramirez is the, on the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, he's just a steady, consistent veteran, uh, even though he's still in his mid-20s. Uh, I think he's 28, 29 years old, so he still has a few years left on that tank, and uh, 2021 should be another solid year. Uh, Max Scherzer at number 11, which kind of worries me because of all the uh, injuries that he's uh, succumbed to lately, but uh, he's still uh, 
when he's healthy and he's on his game, he's a very tough pitcher um, to battle and a really good pitcher to have in fantasy baseball. And, and the top 12 finishes out with Freddie Freeman, uh, your National League MVP, uh, Phil Punchek, I guess. Phil Punchek. Oh, boy, man. It's too early for these weird-ass names. Freddie Freeman going number one. And then on the turn, he picks Walker Bueller, which this is where I, I, I'm, like, kind of wondering what, what's the thinking here. But uh, Walker Bueller, uh, we talked about it on this podcast. We talked about the Dodgers <laughs> starting rotation on this podcast time and time again. Um, it's a weird one. It, it's they're, they're a weird franchise because they, uh, they're, they like to baby their – and I hate to use the word baby, but I, I – I really can't think of another word, but they, they're very cautious. Yeah, that, there it is. Cautious about their long-term investment at the starting pitching rotation spots. And Walker Buehler, who uh, has ace material, um, very good uh, you know, pitcher when he's, uh, when he's on and he's allowed to go uh, you know, the distance and all that. He only averaged about four and a half innings per uh, his game start last year. And that's for your number one pitcher, that that is very concerning. Um, that is very concerning. The guy, I mean, the kid has all the stuff in the world. He has talent. Uh, what he doesn't have is experience, and you know, then and he were, and he plays for the wrong organization. I think if he were in any other organization, he would just be told to go out there and pitch as many uh, until your arm falls off. But I guess that's what they're trying to avoid. So from a real perspective, it's understandable. From a fantasy perspective, it's very frustrating. And uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of a sky. I, I, I don't know. I mean, let's look at the other pitchers that were selected here. Clayton Kershaw, I know he's getting older, but I think I trust him from a fantasy perspective more than I trust Walker Bueller. Trevor Bauer, who we talk about on this show all the freaking time uh, as well. Uh, I would have put him at number 13 as opposed to Walker Bueller. Luis Castillo is another pitcher I absolutely love, and I would have put him ahead of Walker Buehler, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola. Just, I don't know. There's, these are other guys that are very, uh, what do you call it, more dependable. And from the number, from the second round pick, even in a keeper league. Now, keeper league, if it's a keeper league or a dynasty league, maybe I'm a little, I'm a little bit more receptive to getting Walker Buehler, but not in this league, not in a yearly head-to-head, five-by-five, traditional five. You're not pitching enough innings to get the wins, brother. Especially in the, so here's the hope. Here's the very like Felipe being as super optimistic as usual, which as you guys know, I'm more cautious and reluctant and, and pessimistic more often than not. But the, the here's the here's the optimistic view though. If the Dodgers, uh, you know, they work him in early, like I said, I mentioned in the post that we're about 58 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and that's because the Orioles, it looks the Baltimore Orioles are the only team that actually has a date up right now. February 16th is the date, so. Let's say the Dodgers go February 17th or 18th, 19th, whatever, and they build up his arm strength and they say that he looks good and he's like just killing it in spring training and he's blowing out all the, you know, the opposition and the hitters with this fastball, lightning fastball and the curveballs on on fleek, as the kids would say nowadays. Do the kids say fleek still? I'll say fleek because I'm from that, because I'm old. That's why. But, <laughs> okay, fine. Then... I can see that justified, but as of right now, and the second round, what today's December twentieth, the first day of winter, uh, so to speak. I forgot what the day was for the first day of winter. They, they keep changing it on me, stupid astronomers. But yeah, I just mentioned like four or five other pitches I, I would have preferred over Walker Bueller, just from a dependability uh, standpoint. But long term, it's great. 
but I I need to see more, literally more innings and more pitching from Walker Bueller. And there's I, I totally miss you, Darvish, who has totally redeemed himself over the last couple of years. So I trust him uh, to be ready to go by April of 2021 or whenever the hell the owners decide that they want to have games out there. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be up to the shenanigans as they always are crying poor already season hasn't even started yet. And they're already crying poor. So, okay, guys. Yeah. Multi-billionaires can't afford to run a business. Crazy times. All right. So uh, other than that, the hitter, uh, once again, uh, the hitters are, you know, pretty uh, status quo. Uh, Trey Turner, though, uh, falling to number 19, so he's just inside the top 20. But once again, the, the disrespect for Trey Turner uh, as uh, he's become one of the more valuable commodities in fantasy baseball, especially in a 5 by 5 league that, you know, everybody tells me that one of the criticisms I get is that I don't take stolen, uh, I don't prioritize, prioritize stolen bases. But if I'm going to prioritize stolen bases, it better come in the form of Trey Turner. I, I, I think... I, I don't know, man. Trevor Story's there, and then you got Trey Turner. It, it is pretty close, but with, with Trey Turner, you're definitely guaranteed a lot more stolen bases, I believe. And uh, he's a really uh, good all-around hitter. Um, yeah, he does struggle to start off the season, but, you know, last year he was probably one of the more valuable players. And I think we talked about it. He was a very valuable player in, in these uh, traditional formats, so I don't know why Trey Turner continues to uh, get slept on. But, uh, I mean, it's, a, you know, it, it's nitpicking at this point. I mean, did Chris Mitchell do the right thing by getting Trevor Story here instead of Trey Turner? Uh, you guys can debate that in the comments. Uh, I, I think uh, it's it's tough not to go with the guy who plays in Colorado, but it's also very tough to bypass a, a Trey Turner who will be there to steal a bunch of bases, and he always has a green light in Washington and so on and so forth. So, other than that, I mean, it, like I said, it's a pretty standard list. Uh, Francisco Lindor falling to number 23. Wow. If you would have told me a couple years ago that Francisco Lindor would be, like, the, th the third shortstop being picked in the second round of a mock draft in the December of 2020, I, I would have imagined that things went terribly, terribly wrong. And so speaking of terribly, terribly wrong, Bryce Harper uh, at the back end of the second round, it seems like he, this guy just keeps on dropping. And I understand why, because, like, in a 5 by 5 league, you need guys who can steal bases, but... I mean, Bryce Harper proved once again last year that he could still that he could still be a very dangerous hitter. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he plays for a really bad Phillies team, a very underachieving Phillies team. Well, not underachieving. They they really he really lacks a supporting cast, I believe, um, in Philadelphia. So hopefully, the Phillies can bring in reinforcements and help the guy out. But you know, if this were basketball, this was the NBA. We talked about. I was on the uh, Step Back podcast last night. Uh, and we are looking for those one superstar players that can carry a team. Uh, Bryce Harper might be that guy. Unfortunately, this is baseball, so we move on to the third round. Let's see, is that all of them? That's number 36. Okay, so let's see if I can squeeze all these uh, next group of 12 players. I think that's it right there. Jack Flaherty, another guy I think I would have preferred over Walker Bueller. Yeah, you are taking a precipitous uh, drop in talent and stuff, but at least – at least Flaherty will be ready by April. At least I can guarantee that much, right? So, you know, that's uh, that's all I can expect. Oh, geez, said Jacob joins us. Wow, Jacob's also up early this morning. Uh, despite uh, doing the uh, the step back podcast with me last night, we went long and hard last night. I think we went up all the way up until midnight. And uh, he turned. I mean, you could tell Jacob's a parent because he's up and early this morning on a Sunday morning. So uh, yeah, 
uh, I guess he uh, he did it. He finished up his uh, basketball draft and then he went straight to sleep. I'm assuming. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. What, what else we got here? They got Flaherty, Machado. So again, the pretty standalone. Bo Bichette, though. This one kind of surprises me. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Bo Bichette. But you can see the, 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 the hype that's surrounding Bo Bichette as he continues to climb up on these uh, draft boards going in the, in the early third round. And uh, I mean, I'm, that's, that's a good thing. I kind of, I, I, in my fantasy uh, keeper league, and that's a points league, a head-to-head points league, not a head-to-head five-by-five league. But in that league, I uh, traded for Bichette and I traded both Noah Syndergaard and Steven Strasburg for Bo Bichette and uh, some other players, some throwing. I forgot who the throwing was, but uh, it was kind of a, I'll admit it was a kind of a desperate move just to get something for two injured players, two injured pitchers who were not going to help me last year. And uh, I was lucky enough that the guy who owned Bichette was a new owner and he did not like him as much as I do. So I went ahead and pulled off the trade and this and seeing Bichette early in the third round, Makes me feel good about me making that trade last year, so I'm I'm excited to have this kid on my team, uh, ready to go. For I mean, he's he's the top thirty player in this draft among a group of experts. I mean, that's I mean that makes me feel good, and he's being picked ahead of Corey Seager, who's uh, who's kind of uh, turning things around after having reconstructive elbow surgery. So no, I'm I'm very happy for that. Uh, um, very very ecstatic to. Uh, to see him go up on this list. All right, let's see what else we got. There's George Springer, who <laughs> is a little bit, it's always the controversial George Springer uh, from the Houston Astros, or maybe formerly from the Houston Astros, as uh, uh, controversy because of the whole cheating scandal, but controversy because if you've been listening to this podcast lately, uh, Sean does not want to get George Springer on the New York Mets, and that's something that I think our guy Jacob uh, is alluding to in the comments, as uh, apparently there's been conversations about uh, between Sean and the rest of the Mets fans about how Sean would prefer to have Albert Almora Jr. over George Springer. But I guess if, from a money standpoint, uh, and Sean has been pretty vocal about it on this show before, uh, just preferring a, a guy who can play a better defensive outfield, uh, center field, I should say, which we, I mean, George Springer isn't getting, he's getting older by the minute here, literally every minute he gets a minute older, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it's just kind of funny that <laughs> George Springer has become a hot button issue, uh, not just for the stuff that he did uh, uh, with the Houston Astros in terms of the cheating scandal, but also because Mets fans can't agree if they want this guy or not. I'm, you guys know my opinion. I feel like if you're in win now mode, like the Mets are, because they, I mean, I talk about it on this podcast numerous times. They have a lot of talent. They need a little bit more help. George Springer, at least in the first two years of, of whatever gargantuan contract he's about to get, could do nothing but help, I believe. So, but again, Sean mentioned before, it comes with a stipulation. You will give up a first round pick um, if you decide to go this route. So, just depends if uh, you want to go that route or not. Uh, Sean doesn't appear to be definitely not. The, he doesn't want the money to be thrown at him, at least that money that people are talking about, uh, where the step backs are Jacob Moses saying, it's not my money. What do I care? Talent is talent, and we got to take advantage of this young core right now. So we'll see what the New York Mets do. Uh, 
me, like I said, I'm always, a, I'm all about acquiring talent by any means necessary. So just go ahead. And if you're in, if you have good players already on the team, you can only help your team by getting more talent. So uh, to me, it's that simple, but we'll, we'll see what they do. And uh, again, wish Sean would, would be here to kind of defend his position, but I think I already know what he's going to say. Like, hey, listen, you guys, we don't want the Mets to be crippled financially six years from now. We don't need that, okay? Okay, okay Sean, sure thing. That's my, that's, sorry, guys, that's the best Alabama accent I can give. Uh, my voice is kind of hoarse from last night as well, uh, doing two hours of the of talking NBA draft, uh, NBA fantasy draft as well last night with Jacob and Leon. All right. Uh, Zach Greinke going in the fourth round. This is the fourth round, right? Yes, it is. Uh, Zach Greinke still a very uh, formidable pitcher after all these years. Uh, so dependable pick right there. I, I guess uh, Phil, Team Phil over here, trying to um, get some reliability <laughs> for doing the Walker Bueller pickup by going with Zach Greinke, who's a more dependable veteran, I guess. So uh, that's kind of smart on his part. Uh, and of course, when you bring in Zach Greinke, you got to be worried about the age. And But, you know, it seems like the older he gets, the more he kind of quells those uh, concerns about his age and his uh, dropping stuff and leaning more towards craft at this point of his career. The other side of the spectrum, we got a Jose uh, Barrios, who we're still kind of waiting for him, right? We're still kind of waiting for him to show up and live up to that promise and that potential. So, um, so yeah. But uh, that's not a solid pickup right there. Here's your AL MVP. No respect for the AL MVP. Dropping to the fourth round, Jose Abreu. Uh, at least he's a top 40 player, which I guess that's an improvement for him. I mean, I think he was being picked very late last year uh relatively speaking very late last year in drafts and this year he's in the top 40 so i guess that's a you know that's a sign of respect in fantasy circles but uh, i don't know i just saw freddie freeman go in the top 12. why why no respect to jose Braves? so i'm just you know that's just the white Sox fan in me asking these questions uh any let's see i, I like brandon woodruff i'll probably uh overrate him again but i can't help it i mean he his stuff is just pretty amazing, and uh, it looked like he finally put it together last year uh, with the Brewer. So I will be buying some shares in Brandon Woodruff in these upcoming drafts. Oh, God, Eloy Jimenez, top 45. Uh, you know, very talented young player, but his fielding worries me. And the only reason you're worried about fielding in fantasy circles is because uh there i mean yeah, i guess he plays in the american league so it doesn't matter but it just depends who the white Sox get because if they get another uh guy who can't field then that dude has to like a michael brantley i'm thinking about if they get michael brantley then he needs those dh spots because god knows you don't want michael brantley playing left field for you either but yeah if Eloy jimenez uh loses playing time because of his lack of defense that that's a slight concern but not really but yeah i just every time i see Eloy jimenez it just makes me giggle because you know it's an adventure watching him field on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, Denelson Lamette, uh, it's a very intriguing pitcher. We like him a lot, uh, except that he's kind of limited with his stuff. And I think Sean even mentioned that he has uh, gone very slider heavy, uh, especially last season. So he, he just kind of profiles as a, as a relief pitcher, but the 
Padres will continue to utilize him as a starting pitcher, which is always kind of, uh, you know, hey, listen, when, when he's on his game, he's nearly damn unstoppable. But unfortunately, he still has a little bit of command and control issues. Every once in a while, they'll rear its ugly head and you're kind of left wondering where, why isn't he good? Why isn't he good all the time? But listen, this is the fourth round. This is the time where you start you start making some uh, big boy decisions and trying to figure out, are these pitchers that I'm drafting, are they the answer? Uh, or if I don't pick them now, will I regret it later? And for a lot of these guys, like, you know, they're picking Kenta Maeda, which is a, a more of a sure thing that compared to the other, uh, these other guys, but the, he is a little bit older. But then you got a Zach Gallen, Brandon Woodruff, who I just mentioned, then Nelson Lamette, Carlos Carrasco. Like, this is the, around the time of the draft. Like, if I let these pitchers go, if it, is this going to bite me in the ass later? So, and again, I, I think a lot of these guys also didn't pick a pitcher in the first three rounds. So for a lot of these guys, this is like the first pitcher that they're drafting um, in this draft. So uh, so you're seeing some uh, number one pitchers, ace material pitchers here in fantasy circles, getting selected for a lot of these teams in the fourth round. Let's go on to the fifth round really quick uh, now. Uh, and there's there's another guy, Tyler Glass now. Tyler Glass now, uh, anytime... He's a very interesting pick here because uh, we're very intrigued by his stuff and his potential. But, yeah, he still has those control problems. He's still, he has that Walker Buehler thing going where, where the race are kind of like babying him. Again, there's that word again, babying him. They're, very, they're being super cautious with Tyler Glass now. So, uh, you, know, you know what they want, though. What these teams want is to make sure that they have Steven Strasburg on their roster, like the equivalent of Steven Strasburg. Uh, say what you will about Strasburg. I know he's fragile and he's made out of glass. And, you know, I, I hear the jokes, and uh, as a Steven Strasburg believer, I hear them. But when Steven Strasburg is healthy and he has proven to be a very top of the line, grade A, triple A starting pitcher in both reality and in fantasy baseball, uh, and I think uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, the Nationals, the Washington Nationals, just being very cautious with him as well. So if the goal is to end up with the Steven Strasburg, like the 99th percentile potential that Steven Strasburg brings from a season to season, then that's fine. Again, makes sense from a real baseball perspective. It will pull your, it'll make you pull your hair out from a fantasy baseball perspective because pound for pound, talent for talent, stuff for stuff, the Walker Buehlers and the Tyler Glassdowns and even the Steven Strasburgs of the world, they can't be matched. They're very good pitchers. But, you know, they've also shown to be fragile and and, and uh, uh, need a little bit more extra help, a little need more uh, of a piggyback, so to speak, as that's the kind of like the new thing to do now in, in real baseball with their starting pitchers. Uh, and in terms of Steven Strasburg, I mean, like I said, he's always hurt. So, so yeah, I think the end game is to kind of have that same trajectory as Steven Strasburg without all the other health issues. So they're being even more cautious. And again, very frustrating from a fantasy circle. But yeah, if you're, if you're just drafting based on best pitcher available, I mean, you, I don't blame you. But, you know, this is 162 games, what, 35 starts, maybe 36, 37 starts per season. I mean, it's it's a grind. It's an endurance. It's a marathon. So, um, Yeah. Let's see what else we got with Kyle Tucker, which is a pit, uh, a player that Sean, I think, uh, I think he's on the, uh, Kyle Tucker's on Sean's, um, 
what do you call it? The fan track, our fan tracks league that we have running for the Baseball Live Facebook group, which, by the way, uh, if you're listening on audio only formats, a day after this records and this goes live, if you want, if you're interested in joining us live on Facebook, we're at the Baseball Live Facebook group. And uh, we are growing every single day. We do have two podcasts in the baseball group. We got this one, the Total Basis Podcast. Dong City also appears live on Monday nights. They're on in their off-season schedule, so they're going every other week. So last I checked, they are due for another episode this upcoming Monday. So be sure to tune into that. Might as well plug in the other shows. I keep mentioning the Step Back, the Step Back Podcast with Jacob and Leon uh, over at the Ball is Life Facebook group. Uh, you can join them live, talk some hoops with the guys on Wednesday nights. I was doing a, a, a special presentation with those guys too, as we broke down our uh, Jacob, Leon, and I were on a in a fantasy basketball draft. Uh, it's a one-player keeper league, and uh, it's a head-to-head points league. So we talked at length about you know uh, the draft that went on. Uh, it, it was a slow draft, so but the draft that went on this past week. Uh, so yeah, check them out. The Audible over at Football Life. They not they don't give you one show uh, episode per week. They give you two episodes per week, as they uh, review the the last week's action on Tuesdays, and then they uh, they preview the upcoming week's uh, schedule on Fridays, Friday afternoon. So check them out this Tuesday night as they uh, break down. Uh, I'm recording on a Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We're about an hour away from kickoff. Uh, so they'll be reviewing all the action on Tuesday night. So check out all our podcasts. Oh, um, Corey Richmond! Shout out to Corey Richmond. He's the he's the uh, host. Uh, uh, him and along with Jason uh, Jason Brooks, I believe. Over at Wrestling Life, we do have a brand new wrestling podcast. It's called the Work Shoot Podcast. That they those dudes they uh, bring you all the wrestling you can handle, not just WWE nonsense, but all the other uh, promotions as well, uh, New Japan, uh, AAA in Mexico, uh, Impact Wrestling, yeah, that's still around. Uh, Ring of Honor, I, I know they were talking about that there was a, a pay-per-view that was coming with Ring of Honor this past weekend, so I'm looking forward to hearing about the action uh, that happened as I you know, I was doing the podcast, so I couldn't watch it or pay attention to it, but that's all right, because the guys from the Workshoot Podcast, they will be there to, uh, on Thursday nights, to review all of that. All right, so let's move back. Uh, so there's Kyle Tucker again. Oh yeah, we talked about him. Uh, really good upside player. And uh, I think with George Springer gone, I think we now know who the main guy in Houston will be for years to come. Well, I should say that's assuming that George Springer is no longer going to be a Houston Astro, but we'll see what happens. Uh, still, the offseason is still young, but uh, JT Real Muto, who is another player we talked at nauseum. It looks like he's not going to the Mets because James McCann is now a Met. We talked about him last week. Uh, Lance Lynn that says here in Texas, but he's now with the White Sox. I'm very excited to have him on the White Sox team. Rafael Devers, uh, that, man, that, that boy, oh boy, man, that, this is what happens when you uh, when you count on prospects who uh, who what do you call it? Don't live up to their high potential. Uh, Devers, when he's on his game, is a very dangerous hitter. But like this is one of the reasons why I keep preaching about being wary about trusting these young left-handed hitters because they get easily neutralized by left-handed pitching and uh you know i i only have anecdotal evidence to back up that statement as uh, i've been burned before i've had rafael devers on my um, in my keeper league and uh, it's it's been pretty 
hit or miss with him. Like I said, when he's when he's on his hot streaks, you're grateful that you have him. And he's only what uh, he's only just turned 24 this past fall, and uh, yeah, he can he supplies the power. But when he's off his game, this is the results. The results are he he gives you a 310 on base percentage. That's what he did last year for the 2020 Red Sox. That's not what you sign up for, for, for Rafael Devers. And definitely that's not what the Red Sox were hoping to get out of Rafael Devers. They, they want a complete hitter out of uh, Devers here. And they're not getting it from him, at least not on a consistent basis. And you look at his 2019, I mean, he blew up with 32 home runs, 115 RBI, 361 on base percentage. But look what he did the year before that one. Oh, 21 home runs uh, in 2018, 66 RBI, 298 on base percentage. That's not going to do it, man. But, again, that's why he's getting drafted so early in the oh, this is the fifth round, I believe. Yeah, this is the fifth round. So it's because of that potential. That's what the hope is. So hopefully for uh, the guy, Daniel Pesciato, uh for Daniel Pesciato's team, he pays dividend at third base. But, man, third base is so deep. Why would you take a risk in Rafael Devers? You can get 32 home runs and 115 RBIs from anybody else at third base. Uh, yeah, I I know you don't want to wait too long and you want to get your guy, but man, I just feel like third base. There's like so many of them, that so many good ones. You 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 don't need to get one in the fifth round. You can probably wait. And well, and listen, that's at least that's my hypothesis. Let's go check out the sixth round and see if that's actually if that's actually a true statement. There's Josh Donaldson right there. Uh, I know he's getting older. I know he had a, a bad year last year, at least a, a, a disappointing year for many fantasy leaguers. I know. Uh, that's a talk, but you can still get a Josh Donaldson uh, around later and focus on other weak, weaker positions that you need that need to be addressed on your team. At least that's my opinion. I know that, you know, Devers has uh, age on his side as opposed to Josh Donaldson, who has uh, been around the block for a long time now. Um, but yeah, if you, if you wait long enough, you can get Josh Donaldson. And I'm pretty sure we, I'm going to just keep spotting them out. Like if I go to the seventh round, I predict that there's going to be at least two third basemen. That's my prediction. We'll see if that comes true. But meanwhile, in the sixth round, uh, wow, Aaron Judge going uh, in the sixth round. That's wow. Uh, it wasn't too long ago where Aaron Judge was a bona fide, you know, first round pick. And wow, that's all right. I didn't realize he had fallen to the sixth round. So hey, for Chris Mitchell, if Aaron Judge stays healthy, that's that's a massive steal there. I like the kid, but yeah, he has injury concerns. He strikes out a lot uh, or at least that's uh, from what I remember is that he strikes out too much. Uh, Luke Voigt, I don't know what the hell. Daniel Pasciato, man. Uh, so he, he goes with the with the raw with the uh, unproven third baseman and Rafael Devers, relatively speaking, of course. Everything's relative here. And then he goes and picks Luke Voigt <laughs> to be his first baseman. I'm sorry, but like, the first base is just like third base. You can wait for a first baseman. I don't know when I when I think about Luke Voigt, I don't think about him as a as a starting first baseman in fantasy leagues. I, I just think that his upside so, is so limited. Um, but that, that's just me, man. I, if you believe in Luke Boyd, by all means, you know, even R. Kelly believes he can fly. But, <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know, man. I, I just I just know that there's a lot of good first basemen, and you don't need to to worry about not drafting Luke Boyd now. Otherwise, you're going to lose him. I mean, Pete Alonso went two picks. That I would have rather have Pete Alonso over Luke Boyd just because of the upside. I, I, I'm i going to mark Pete Alonso as having an off year last year. You know, regression is a bitch, but I think 2021 will be his uh, Pete Alonso's bounce back uh, rebound year, so to speak. I don't know if he's going to hit 50 home runs, but I, I would definitely take him over Luke Boyd. I'm sorry. That's just, 
yeah, no, not for me, bro. I'm not taking Luke Voigt. Uh, anything else here? Uh, Cattell Marte, yeah, like, I think last year he was, like, he wasn't going this late. I can tell you that much. I don't remember him, Marte going in the seventh round. I think he was going, like, in the second, third, fourth round. Um, so uh, Garrett Atkins is also wondering uh, uh, or banking on a bounce-back year for Cattell Marte. Nelson Cruz, holy crap. Hmm. Let's take a sip of coffee here. Nelson Cruz. So there's still some believers in, in, in Nelson Cruz. And here's what I don't like about Nelson Cruz. He's, he's old. Although what I do like about him is that he cheated by doing the PED use. That means he wants it. He wants to win. And that means that whatever chemicals were in there, uh, they paid off big, big dividends for the guy because he's still uh, producing. So good for him. That's always a plus. But yeah, he's getting older. I mean, 40 is still 40. And he's only DH eligible, which I like having a very versatile team. Having a DH only on your fantasy league, to me, would just drive me crazy. It is pretty crippling. Yeah, you you do appreciate the production, but, you know, I don't know, man. I I think you could have done better. Um, Get production elsewhere and still get that uh, defensive versatility because you still have those other uh, slots in your lineup to fill out. But, I don't know, that's just me. I I know some people, they they don't, they, uh, what do you call it? They don't see it that way, and uh, but I don't know. Everybody has their own little way to be successful. I just I would prefer not to draft Nelson Cruz unless it's like very late in the draft, which you're not getting that out of Nelson Cruz because he's a a known commodity. He's a name recognition, uh, and uh, you know he he supplies that power. I mean, even at this advanced age, he's still doing it. So it just goes to prove you once again that drugs work. Say yes to drugs, kids. So uh, let's go. Uh, seventh round, there's Eugenio Suarez. I told you, I I, I would have preferred Eugenio Suarez in the seventh round than Rafael Devers in the fifth round. I can tell you that much. I can tell you that much. And Okay, so I was wrong. The, no other third basemen were picked except for Josh Donaldson and Eugenio Suarez. So still, you know, Eugenio Suarez, it's a nice little fallback plan if you don't want to draft the third baseman in the fifth round, especially one that comes with so much uh, – so many, so many red flags as Rafael Devers. There's our guy Dylan Bundy, who has rec- uh, redeemed himself in Los Angeles with the Angel. Sixto Sanchez, who uh, uh, has become a, a, a regular <laughs> a regular on our show, as Sean loves to talk about Sixto Sanchez. Josh Hader, I believe, he might have been the first relief pitcher to go in this mock draft. Uh, and there's another guy, Jordan Alvarez, a uh, great hitter, but DH only. I don't want him uh, fielding if I don't have to. Coming back from, uh, I think there were a couple of uh, leg injuries, knee injuries, I believe. And that's another red flag that I don't want to deal with. Uh, And he's left-handed. So you all know how I feel about left-handed hitters. Uh, Maybe if I look at the numbers, maybe it turns out that Jordan Alvarez is a very good, uh, potent, and capable hitter against left-handed pitchers. But I will hypothesize and say, no, he's not. And again, it's all anecdotal. I've been burned before by left-handed hitters. Uh, I only, I'm very picky with my left-handed hitters. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, and I've explained that numerous times on this podcast before. So uh, if you want to take that risk, by all means, go ahead. But I am not the one. Uh, Framber Valdez, wow. Framber Valdez going ahead of Jesus Lazardo. I never would have imagined. If you would have told me that Valdez would go ahead of Luzardo in, in 2021 mock drafts, I would have assumed that Luzardo would have 
uh, succumb to Tommy John surgery, surgery, but no, uh, Luzardo was a disappointment last year. And Valdez, despite the shaky stat cast numbers, he ended up being very productive for the Houston Astros. And he basically uh, helped uh, and was a big contributor to the Houston Astros patchwork starting rotation that got him all the way to the American League Championship Series. So that's pretty remarkable. That's Max Muncy. Um, I guess he's now getting regular uh, plate appearances, uh, which is good because I've always liked Max Muncy, despite the fact that he's left-handed. But yeah, Max Muncy qualifies almost everywhere in the infield, it seems like. Uh, very powerful, potent bat at second base. So that's not a bad pickup there. Uh, Luis Robert. Love the kid's potential. Love the kid's athletic ability. I love the kid uh, uh, being in the White Sox center field. Uh, actually, he's manning all three outfield positions as we talk about in this podcast at nauseum. That this this dude has to uh, play all three outfield positions because the White Sox uh, are very one dimensional at the corner outfield positions. Uh, well, uh, well, no, hold on. Now they got Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton. So now he'll only do left left field and center field. At least Robert do. But this is what we were talking about. Uh, this is what I talk about with White Sox fans all the time because they were like that very uh, sunny dispositions about last year's White Sox team before the season started, and Luis Robert being the main igniter of the uh, the the bounce back for the White Sox coming into fruition. And they were saying, "Hey, Luis Robert, that makes us playoff contenders. That even makes us championship contenders for 2020." And I go, well, you do not want to trust a rookie to put you over the top. You don't want a rookie to be the your savior for the season. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Defensively, he was awesome. Offensively, he was very offend like he offends me. Uh, because a lot of the holes that were masked by poor minor league pitching were exposed by very excellent major league starting pitching or, or pitching in general, I should say. And I'm hoping that Robert is able to kind of fix those issues kind of in the same way that Javier Baez uh, slowly but surely fixed his uh, high swinging tendencies. But uh, yeah, at this point of his career, Robert is a very easy um, hitter to play with in terms of if you're an opposing pitcher because you throw him a, a breaking pitch to the outside, he's, he's he can't help himself but swing it. And that just comes from confidence and talent and the bat speed that he brings. That's the reason why he's being picked so uh, in the single digits here, uh, seventh round, is because of that potential. Just buyer beware. He's still a work in progress. He's not at all finished. But, hey, when he gets on base, uh, he will run and get you stolen bases. So that's another check mark to like about Luis Robert. All right, what are we now? Eighth round, Nick Castellanos, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, Trent Grisham. Wow, you would have told me that Trent Grisham would have gone in the eighth round uh, in 2021. I also wouldn't have believed you, but, you know, I'll give uh, Sean credit about this one. He was hyping him up last year, uh, even when I was like, okay, Sean, I prefer not to, but that's you do you. But, yeah, uh, Grisham ended up being a very good all-around player, even in fantasy circles. And I'm just waiting to pull up the big board here. On my opposite screen, uh, 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases last year in a shortened 2020 year. Uh, yeah, do you have a 10 and 10 player on your team? I mean, that could only help. Uh, strikeouts are a little high, but the walk rate, you know, over 10%. So, yeah, that's uh, he's proven to be a very good professional hitter and uh, who can also be productive. As, uh, as you're seeing now that the San Diego Padres are starting to kind of unload 
on certain outfielders that they a couple years ago were uh, highly touted in their farm system. Now they're expendable, and it's probably just to make room for Trent Grisham and guarantee him even more plate appearances. So, uh, so that's good for him. Uh, this kid uh, overcame a lot in terms of uh, just the baseball aspect of it. He was a very low ranked prospect uh, he only had a 40 future value and you remember him from uh uh the the muff that he had for the milwaukee brewer and the playoff game where he let a ball go underneath him in, the, in right field and that's what everybody remembers him for but he's kind of uh, rec- uh becoming a, a another redeeming story here uh in f- both reality and in fantasy circles Speaking of which, uh, the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the redemption project in Trent Grisham and then the, the fall from Grayson and Jose Altuve. Um, yeah, uh, I, I haven't had the chance to really study the numbers and break it down. I was hoping Sean and I would have an episode just devoted to the fall from Jose Altuve. But hey, Altuve came up big in the playoffs for the Houston Astros um, as uh, he had a couple of uh, a few key plate appearances that put the Astros uh, or that help the Astros move along in the playoffs. So uh, it's, you know, it's not entirely over with him. He still has a little bit um, of reliability in him. Uh, it's very hard to bypass on what was at one point the best second baseman uh, for years and years and years. So uh, Scott White, uh, it's a guy I kind of, uh, uh, I respect in fantasy circles. So I'm not surprised that Scott White would, take that chance on Jose Altuve over a guy like Kayvon Vigio, um, who I, I, if it wasn't for his namesake, I think, I don't think he would be a starting infielder in Major League Baseball. But, you know, the Blue Jays have that thing going where they have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bichette, uh, and Kayvon Vigio. And, and then they also have uh, Lourdes Gurriel, who's not the son of a Major Leaguer, but he's a brother of a Major Leaguer. Uh, so they got that, that family affair going. So I can see why they continue to put them out there. Uh, it's a nice little story, and it probably sells tickets if uh, tickets were to be sold uh, in this pandemic world that we live in, especially in Canada, because they completely shut down um, the Blue Jays from hosting any home games. So I expect them to be in Buffalo again next year, but we'll see. But, yeah, uh, if you tell me who would I prefer, I think I would prefer Jose Altuve and the fact that Scott White is co-signing on that. I, I think uh, that speaks volumes on on the on Altuve's talent and uh, projection to bounce back and kind of silence the critics about what he what is real and what is fake about him and uh, so we'll see. Glavar Torres, holy crap, going to number eight. Last year, Sean and I were talking, debating if he should be a first round or second round pick, and now he's dropped to number nine. And so same thing with Keston Kiora. There's another guy who we were talking about him last year going second and third, now falling to the number eight spot. Uh, in the round, I'm sorry, in the eighth round. So, yeah, a lot can change in about in a year, especially in a pandemic world where a shortened season just occurred and small sample size and, and, and high probability, high variance randomization went wild in 2020. And it, it really does show with these draft results. So, I mean, these are really good pickups here by uh, Micah Henry and Garrett Atkins. Uh, two, uh, middle infielders going back to back with Kesson Hira at number 93, Glavar Torres at number 94. So yeah, th- th- that's that's not bad. That's not too shabby there. Uh, Lance McCullers, Matt Olson to round out the eighth round. So more bounce back candidates um, being picked in that round. Let's go to round number nine. 
uh, how we doing on time? Okay, we're re nearing an hour. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go the full boat here, uh, but maybe I'll just uh, pick a player from each <laughs> round. And sure enough, there it is. Randy Arozarena, or as I like to call him, uh, rice sand or sand rice. I still, I think sand rice sounds better as uh, arroz means rice in Spanish and arena means sand in Spanish. So I think sand rice would be the appropriate nickname for the uh, late blooming uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, outfielder. I, I, I am not drafting him this early. Uh, I would prefer to draft them in the double digits round sometime there. But no way, man. I mm -mm, that's not my guy. I, I don't co-sign this pick by Michael Waterloo, uh, but I understand why they're doing it. Uh, but not nah, I it's just too much of an unknown commodity for me. And you got Dominic Smith, who also comes with his own issues, and then Michael Conforto. Despite the amazing season he had last year, falling to the to round number nine and getting picked uh, and seeing a guy like Alvarez uh, Arena getting picked ahead of him and Austin Meadows too. These are other and these are other guys I would have preferred over Alvarez Arena. So no, I, I don't like that pick at all. But uh, hey, you know, to each their own, right? I'm not here to judge. Actually, yeah, I am here to judge. Well, speaking of which, I keep mentioning the double digit rounds. We now go into tenth round. So, like I said, I'm just going to pick a certain player from each round at this point if my computer would just uh, cooperate with me. But you see Kevin Gossman, Matt Chapman, Jose, uh, Jorge Soler, Julio Rias. These are guys we talk about at nauseum. Mike Gostromski, despite the MVP year he had last year, he's uh, falling to the 10th round. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara, which uh, uh, if Sean were here, he would be co-signing to him. Liam Hendricks, who we have no idea where he's going, but we know that wherever he plays, he's going to be good. I'm a little concerned that he was uh, very... Um, highly used last year for the Oakland Athletics as they were trying to do everything they can in their power to keep advancing in the, in the playoffs. Uh, Marcus Stroman, I think we talked about him as well So uh, last week. So he's a little bit too early. Mackenzie Gore, we talked about him last week too. And Jeff McNeil, who, as you guys know, I am a big Mets fan for fantasy circles, fantasy baseball. Not, I'm not, I don't care about the real Mets, but for fantasy, uh, I can't help but just, you know, be amazed at the talent that they have. And Aaron Savali, who that was the 50th pick overall in ADPs uh, in terms of starting pitchers. So Aaron Savali uh, sneaking his way inside the 10th round. So let's keep going. Teoscar Hernandez. So right off the bat, right? Teoscar Hernandez, uh, I everybody likes Teoscar Hernandez. I had him a little for, for a cup of coffee on my team last year. I didn't like what I saw, so I dropped him. And then of course he goes on another tier. So. It's, uh, it seems to happen as always, like clockwork. I, I pick up a guy, he does bad for me, I drop him, and then he does well for other people. 28-year-old outfielder for the Blue Jay. And uh, Hernandez, the thing about him was uh, the strikeouts were too high. Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm looking at the Fangraphs page, and he's at, he's posted a strikeout rate above 30% every single season since 2017. But there's no denying the kind of year he had with 16 home runs in a 50 game season or a shortened season. I forgot, honestly, I forgot how many games they played last year already. Like 2020, uh, the 2020 uh, major league baseball season might have, have happened like five years ago at this point. Cause it's all a blur, but 16 home runs in a very shortened season. Uh, but he still posted a 30 strikeout rate. That's, that's a little concerning. That's very concerning, but yeah, breakout year, so to speak, but I would like to see more. I would have preferred, I mean, if you're going to draft an outfielder at this point, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident 
that I could spot more outfielders that I would have preferred in this uh, stage of the draft. And no outfielders were picked in the 10th round, but that's, you know, I'm pretty sure that we're going to see some and I'm going to point them out. Uh, there's Kenley Jansen at number 129, as uh, I can't believe people still believe in Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen went ahead of our oldest Chapman. In what world? And this is an experts league, by the way. In what world is this plausible? Like, no, man, I'm not drafting Kenley Jansen ahead of our, our oldest Chapman. No freaking way. And I'm pretty sure if I when I do my rankings, I'm still gonna have our oldest Chapman as my number one relief pitcher in, in traditional leagues because there's no he's guaranteed the rotation, uh, the the, uh, the spot, the closer role, the closers role. And Jansen, he's getting older. He he looks uh, he looks like he was exposed last year. Uh, and Josh Hader is always the, that's the, always a three-headed monster and relief pitcher. And Josh Hader is like one bad managerial decision away from being relegated to the high-leverage left-handed pitcher who comes out of the bullpen. So uh, I don't want that in my life. Uh, let's see. I, I've been focusing on early-round uh, draft picks. So let, let's uh, in these rounds, I should say. So let's focus more on the late ones. Uh, we talk about Eduardo Rodriguez, Joey Gallo. Yeah, I would have preferred Joey Gallo over both Randy Arozarena and uh, uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Definitely. I know he's left-handed. He's, he has a left-handed bat, but that's one of the few left-handed bats that I can actually trust. And uh, Joey Gallo went healthy, and he's a force to be reckoned with, for sure. So I like him a lot. So Joey Gallo going into, what's this round, 12th round, that's, that's a steal for R.J. White there. Major steal for R.J. White. Uh, Tommy Pham, wow. I forgot that Tommy Pham is still in baseball. Um, I didn't forget, but I forgot that he 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 does enough to justify a, you know being picked uh, before the 15th round, I guess I should say. Moving on to the 13th round, wow. All right, now James Karenchek, which is another guy we talk about a lot in this podcast. Now that uh, Brad Hand is gone, Garrett Atkins, and I think not just him, but many people now believe that James Karenchek is the sole guy to be in terms of the closer role in Cleveland. So I'm excited to see more James Karinchak in, uh, in in a closer's role because that's fantasy relevant. Uh, so that's the early round. What about in the late round of this uh, uh, of this 13th round? Uh, Mike Moustak is falling to number 154. Uh, I believe I drafted him in the eighth round last year. And now I think with him, I think he got hit with COVID and he wasn't the same after afterwards so moving on to the 14th round there's you, you know nice these are some nice players here josh bell show you time uh, i don't know about robbie ray man i i, I, I would I, you know i, I would have preferred jose or Quidi at this point brad hand daniel preciado still believes in brad hand okay i'm not daniel preciado is making some of these very questionable picks here in this mock draft so i don't know what the hell he's thinking but you know he's the expert and i'm not apparently so uh, who else we got here? Uh, Adalberto Mondesi, who we talked about. We always talk about him uh, just being a key player to have because of stolen bases. But in this experts league, they don't think so. Because uh, if, if he were, he would have been picked a long time ago. This is the 13th round, and we're finally seeing Adalberto Mondesi getting picked for his stolen bases. And yeah, it's head to head, but it's still five by five. You still need to pad those uh, stolen base uh, statistics. So. Uh, kind of peculiar that they that that he's waiting this round. I can tell you that this much: if, if when Sean and I are drafting, I can assure you that Sean is not going to wait till the 13th round to pick Adalberto Mondesi. So 
good pickup there by uh, who was it? Micah Henry. Micah Henry. Uh, all right. So we're, let's see. Oh, we're nearing the hour. So I do apologize that this has gone long. Uh, we're almost done here. I believe I forgot how many players they picked. Well, we'll go as far as we can. My voice is getting a little hoarse. It's uh, not the easiest thing to do a solo show. But listen, this is the last one of the year. I'm going to take a cup of coffee, see if the caffeine kicks in a little bit further. And let's go to the stretch run of this podcast. So first thing that kind of pops up is uh, Trey Mancini. Uh, if uh, he shows no ill effects of the of the cancer that he uh, that, that plagued him last year, uh, that, that could be a really, really good steal for Garrett Atkins. Again, Garrett Atkins making some very peculiar picks here. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like I've mentioned his name numerous times. Uh, him and Daniel Preciado. <laughs> uh, Scott White picking up to Brian Hayes. Uh, I saw Kay Hayes. I thought Killian Hayes, so I'm still in basketball mode. Uh, who's a player who I covet and I drafted in a lot of my mock drafts, and I drafted uh, in my basketball draft last night, but this is a baseball mock draft. So, yeah, Trey Mancini is my guy. Uh, the, the name I wanted to touch base here in the 15th round. Uh, ooh, Wander Franco going one number 179. Is there room for Wander Franco on the Rays? I don't know. I don't know, but we're about to find out. And Casey Simmons wants all of Wander Franco in this round here. Let's go to round 16. That my computer would just cooperate with me a little bit. In the meantime, while that loads, let's take a look at Chris Mitchell's team, Christian Yellis, Trevor Story, Vladimir Guerrero, Jose Barrios, Blake Snell, Aaron Judge. This is a very good team if this was like the 2017 draft, 2018 draft. <laughs> I feel like it is. Uh, it, so a lot of uh, Chris Mitchell is making a lot of uh, oh, Chris Bryant. Starlin Marte, what is this 2021? Yeah, 2021 fantasy baseball mock draft. This dude's picking like he's in 2018. Holy crap. Javier Baez, Jorge Soler, Chris Mitchell. Update your rankings, brother. Holy crap. Sean Manaya, oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. Madison Bumgarner. Holy crap, Chris Mitchell. All right. I mean, the, the, hey, listen, <laughs> got to respect that the, the, he still believes in these players despite the, and he's not going to let a, a little 2020 season and a bad year of 2020 deter him from picking guys that he believed in 2018 and 2019. But man, that is wow. All right. That's pretty funny. Anyway, round 16, uh, yeah, my computer's tired just like I'm tired, but we move on. Uh, <laughs> Casey Simmons. Uh, <laughs> Casey Simmons going with Michael Pineda, which, uh, listen, man, Michael Pineda has shown that he has very good control, but not very good command. And Felipe, what's the difference? Well, the way I see it, control is literally how you, do you can you control your walk rates? That's the way I see it. And command, how, how good is your stuff moving around the strike zone? Because that's all it is, right? Pitching is command and, and trying to deceive players into swinging at the pitch you want to swing. Making strikes, I'm sorry, making pitches, making bad pitches look like strikes. And just being having that late movement into the strike zone and uh, having hitters look foolish, that's just good command. Michael Pineda does not have good command. I know this because he gets lit up. I know this because his stack hits numbers are always bad. I know this because he's always like... Um, leading the league in home run per nine innings it seems like he is too good of a pitcher to be this unproductive and this unreliable but casey simmons gonna take another spin at the michael pineda wheel so respect to 
that pickup there. I mean, I, I'm a big Pineda fan, but man, at this point of his career, at this, I mean, we've, we've given him numerous attempts to rectify this, and he hasn't. So, but the other thing I like about Michael Pineda, though, is that he cheats. Whether it's PED use or, or pine tar, you know. The thing I don't like about Michael Pineda is that he gets caught cheating. You, you got to be more like Trevor Bauer there. Otherwise, you'd be the Cy Young candidate, right? So, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Uh, again, computer's not uh, cooperating with me. I do apologize. I do apologize for the, if you listen to that audio uh, on this podcast, I do apologize immensely. Um, but we all know my computer issues are, no, are, are very uh, infamous here. Hoping that when the recorded version plays a lot better in the audio only format, so you guys can listen uh, through there. All right, so again, we're just kind of waiting for the 17th round to load up. Uh, let's talk about some other players. Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. There's still Craig Kimbrell truthers out there. In round 16, Chris Towers wanting some Craig Kimbrell in his life. Why would you do it? I have no idea. What's up, Melvin? I'm sorry. I just noticed that Melvin is up and running. Melvin, uh, time to plug his stuff. Uh, Melvin, feel free to tag your uh, page in the comments below. But he does. He runs the Baseball Cosmos page. He's doing a fantastic job uh, of uh, bringing you the Caribbean League updates and the uh, Winter League updates and, the, and all across Latino America. So, Melvin, I do thank you immensely. You know what? Looking back, I should have asked him to be on the show. But with my computer problems, I think uh, that would have been disastrous. So maybe next time. Hey, it's Christmas. I am due to treat myself. Maybe I am due for a new computer. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Round 17. Uh, Rafael Montero. Uh, we talked about that, about that with Leon last week. Miguel Sano, Austin Nola, Nate Pearson, who we talked about. Uh, this isn't that, that bad. This isn't that bad of a, of a round. Then we get to Tommy LaStella, who I just don't understand the hype. I guess the 17th round is late enough where you can take a flyer on a Tommy LaStella, but second base at this point of the, uh, at this point of the draft, I feel like you, you could do better. And Davey Garcia, number 201. I, I'm sorry. I, I know pitchers are a dime a dozen, too, at this point of the draft, but I would have preferred Davey Garcia over Tommy LaStella here. Uh, again, that's my guy, Daniel Preciado, making these head-scratching picks. I feel like I've been picking on this poor guy all day. Uh, but, it, it, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take a look at his team because I'm now I'm kind of curious to see what what how his team looks. I know uh, we just – I just kind of uh, made fun of Chris Mitchell's uh, team. So if Chris Mitchell's team looks weird, I can only imagine what Daniel Preciado's team looks like. So round 18, uh, Cole Cahoon, uh going at the top of the 18th round. Uh, there's Franmil Reyes, who we're, we're all big fans of. I just just needs to put – just needs to be more consistent. And he's a very dangerous hitter when he's on his game. Carlos Martinez. But Jesus, Chris Mitchell again. I am I am convinced that he did not update his rankings for this mock draft. It's the only explanation. It's the only explanation. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Ryan Mountcastle for Scott White. See now Scott White, that's a solid pick. I, I can always trust my guy Scott White to make the Felipe approved pickups there. So Ryan Mountcastle is a major steal in the round 18. AJ Puke RJ White still believing in AJ Puke. As uh, forgot what was his issue. I think he was hurt last year. Um, with a major major surgery, I believe. I can't remember. But anyway, that's round 18. Anybody else? Clint, Chris Towers. 
Clint Frazier. I, if Clint Frazier's not playing for the Yankees, I think I would be more optimistic about him. But he's, as long as he's, he's in the Yankees, uh, I, I don't like it, man. They got too many outfielders. They got too much depth, and there's no room for the kid. I mean, I, his his career has been kind of a, of a waste in New York, unfortunately. And uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. He's already in his mid-20s, and he still has no regular play, uh, playing time, which nah, that, that's that's disappointing. That's That really sucks. But oh, well. Dams the brakes. Damn the breaks. Hey, at least you get to be clean shaven every single day. You're a Yankee, right? All right, let's move on to round 19. Uh, uh, Dylan sees Garrett Atkins. Uh, so I, I, it's the same. It's, it seems like it's the same four guys. Daniel Preciado, Garrett Atkins, uh, uh, Chris Towers is starting to uh, get more shoutouts than, than than he probably wants. And of course, my guy Daniel Preciado. <laughs> Garrett Atkins going with Dylan sees. Nice little pickup there, but man, Dylan Cease has a lot of work to do, and now he's competing for that final spot, the, for the, those final two spots for the White Sox, and I don't think the White Sox are done shopping and bolstering that starting rotation either. So Dylan Cease might be the an odd man out, or even worse, be relegated to the bullpen. And uh, but if he meet if he ever meets his potential, I mean, the, the dude has the stuff to be. Uh, a very good starting pitcher, but yeah, there's a, from what we saw last year, man, there's a lot of work to do with this guy. A lot of work. Uh, Luis Patino, that's a nice pickup by Michael Waterloo. Kudos to him. Uh, Dane Dunning, Scott White. <laughs> Dane Dunning. Go, see, this is what I don't understand. They're going, Dane Dunning and Dylan Cease. Uh, it, it, I know this is early December, and I think, this, yeah, this was done before Lance Lynn came to the team. But why would you do that? To quote one of their uh, one of their segments over at the CBS Sports podcast, uh, why would you do that? You're, you're you're picking up two guys who are not guaranteed rotation spots on the White Sox. I mean, I guess they would have been guaranteed because they, you, you still got to fill up those uh, those other rotation spots. But I don't. Even if you do, I don't know if I trust Dane Dunning to carry uh, to uh, to give me a, a good solid full season. I really don't. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad that he's now a Texas Rangers problem, but still, I just, I don't like that. I like Scott White. I don't like that pick, my brother. Uh, Chris Sale, Daniel Preciado again. I, you know what? Kudos to Daniel Preciado. I think I would have preferred Chris Sale over Dylan Cease and uh, Dane Dunning at this point. Anyway, let's move on. Round 20. I think I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you guys. I'm sorry if this goes, has gone long, but we're almost there. Uh, and, you know, I like to go long and hard on these shows anyway, because I know that's the way you guys like it, too. Pause. Noah Syndergaard, Chris Mitchell. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chris Mitchell. <laughs> like, you guys know I'm a big Noah Syndergaard fan, but the fact that he's going to Chris Mitchell, dude, this guy's using his 2018 uh, 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 rankings, 2018-2019 rankings to to do his uh, mock draft here. But you know what? I, I applaud Chris Mitchell for sticking to his guns and still believing on these players and drafting them as he normally would on any given year. It seems like so good for him. Uh, aside from Noah Syndergaard, anybody else that uh, we... Oh, look at that. Jordan Montgomery going to Frank Stample's team, who I think has a really good team going. Uh, Alex Kirilov also going on the on the, on the the turn on the, on, in round 21. Uh, so Frank Stample, man, he, he's taking advantage of, the, of being the number one pick overall. I think from what I've uh, glanced at his team already, he has a very good team so far uh, in this mock draft. Garrett Atkins... <laughs> 
Jared Atkin has been 50-50 with me. Love. You guys know this, but I absolutely love this Jared Kalenic pick from the Seattle Mariners. Jared Kalenic. Remember that name as uh, he's on the verge, on the precipice of, uh, of being a major superstar. There, I said it. Yeah. Give me all of the Jared Kalenic Kool-Aid. Uh, anybody else that kind of – oh, David Fletcher. Daniel Preciado, man. Daniel Preciado. Oh, my God. All right, I'm not going to pick on him. But, yeah, Daniel Fletcher, punch and Judy hitter. Who else can I pick on? I haven't picked on David Doak. Uh, Alex Dickerson, that's a that's a nice pickup. Uh, Sean and I, we talk about Alex Dickerson being a very sneaky uh, hitter for fantasy teams. And that's it. We made it to the end. Lorenzo Cain being be Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, Phil uh, Ponchek, sorry I butchered your name. Uh, I think I, I – I think you could have done better there at, at the at the with your last pick of this draft, but Lorenzo Cain, if he's healthy and he kind of finds that fountain of youth, he could be a very um, productive base stealer this late in the draft. But I predict that if this was a real thing, uh, and and Phil, my buddy Phil over there, <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Phil at this point. If Phil would have uh, taken Lorenzo Kane with him into the season, I think he would have been dropped after like two or three weeks. So, so yeah, and there you have it. All right. So I'm a little tired. I, I like I said, I went hard last night uh, with the uh, uh, basketball mock draft, the fantasy basketball mock draft with Leon and, and, and Jacob. Uh, I turned around and the baby didn't let me sleep last night because uh, she slept all evening long while I was doing the uh, the podcast. So. Sure enough, I go downstairs and she's dead asleep. So it's time for my wife and I to go to sleep and she's wide awake, wide awake. So full of energy and we are not. But uh, if you've made it this far, thank you for uh, listening. Uh, thank you for listening all of season long. Uh, we are getting ready to go into season two for the 2021 year. Uh, we're gonna take a couple of weeks off. That's why it was important for me to come back. I know it's the Christmas break. I, and this is what one of the big fear I had about uh, taking it this far into December. But I figured, you know what? Uh, we started late. We got off to a late start this year with our uh, with our fantasy draft, or sorry, with our fantasy podcast. And I figured, well, let's just go one more to finish strong the year. Uh, I, I don't know where Sean is. I hope he's doing okay. I know he was sick last week. I know there was a, a little bit of a COVID scare uh, with him. Uh, he is uh, what you would uh, refer to as a frontline worker. Uh, so I hope uh, he's doing fine. Um, he was feeling better when I last talked to him uh, on Friday. Uh, and uh, he was active on Twitter. He was active on Facebook. And then today, I, he just might be... I know he's been working long hours, that too. So that that if you're, if you're getting over uh, an illness... That'll do it to you, working these long hours. And uh, I can attest to that. I've been also working long hours at my at my current job, as my, at my bread job, so to speak, as well, uh, as uh, everybody wants to uh, put a nice little ribbon on this awful, god-awful 2020 year. But, uh, again, uh, just want to give a quick shout-out to all of the members of the Baseball Life Facebook group. Thank you for uh, participating. Thank you for listening all year long. Uh, we're going to come back uh giving you the information you need to I, I'm afraid to say this but make you not just make you a better baseball fan I guess so to speak but you know kind of a make sense of uh, what these teams are trying to accomplish by all their transactions that they're doing and you know this is this is why we call ourselves a total business podcast because we're just we're doing player evaluation doing team evaluations we're grading uh, we're trying to grade organizations as well trying to uh, 
look at the big picture of things, what these organizations are trying to do to improve. And uh, I mean, the goal is to win a championship, right? If you're not trying to win a championship, get the hell out of the league, right? Pittsburgh Pirates. Who was the other team? Oh, the Texas Rangers. <laughs> and what was the other team that we were? Oh, the Kansas City Royals too. So, but also primarily this is a fantasy baseball podcast. So we're hoping that by listening to this podcast, you uh, are, have the information you need to make better informed decisions to help you in your fantasy baseball seasons that are upcoming and to hopefully get you that championship, which uh, unlike some of these major league baseball teams, we are all trying to win. We play to win these games, even if it's fake, even if it's fantasy, the goal is to make sure that you are good to go and you are ready to have the, all the information you're going to need to help your fantasy baseball teams. So on behalf of Sean Flannery, wherever you are, I uh, hope you're doing okay. Uh, I am your host, Felipe Melicio, um, bidding you, everybody, a uh, happy holiday season. Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Uh, happy late uh, Hanukkah to uh, the Jewish people who listen in on this podcast. Most importantly, a very successful and happy 2021 year. May it not repeat. I repeat, I reiterate, may it not repeat the awfulness that has been 2020. Take care, everybody. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next year.